of Valley Christian Church. We hope you enjoy this message, and we would love for you to join us on Sunday mornings at 1030. We're located at 432 East Pleasant in Tulare. After listening to this message, take a moment to browse our website for current and upcoming events. It is our prayer that ultimately you learn to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. We're getting to our, our Christmas perspective series, uh, the series of, uh, uh, of different perspectives from, from all the way from the priest to, to, to what we're going to cover today, Mary, and, and many other, you know, last year went over the wise men and the shepherds and different things, but today we're going we're gonna to cover Mary. And when I say the words, Hell Mary, what do you normally think? Well, for some of the guys, you're thinking, yeah, you're right there. You're thinking the last pass of the football game. I mean, it's, it's coming down. There's three seconds left on the, on the clock. Hike, hike, and, and the guy goes long, and you just throw it up, hoping he's going to catch it. Now, for others, you think of a, a beaded necklace, and you say you're Hail Marys. If you, you know, come from a Catholic background, or maybe you have somebody in your, your family that comes from that. It's funny how, uh, how the life's journey of a, of a young pregnant woman a young pregnant, really a girl, who had a baby born in this little backwaters town, you know, this ancient town, would now be known all over the world. A very powerful, iconic picture of what faith is. And for centuries there have been sections of our faith who, who have used prayers to, to Mary, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Uh, you know, taken right from Scripture. Blessed are, young, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Uh, you know, those prayers were used over and over in the centuries. In the 15th century, it added, Holy Mother of God, pray for us sinners now in our hour of death. Something happened in the 15th century that, uh, you know, where Jesus was now, you know, uh, almost a scary figure. So therefore, we should pray to somebody else. Now, I'm not saying that that's what we do. I'm just saying that's the history behind it. it. Took 1,500 years to get there for some reason. I don't know. But so how can it be that this one young girl having a baby could have such a profound impact on our world unless something very unique would impact that pregnancy? In chapter 1 of Luke... Uh, uh, we're going to look at what's called the Annunciation uh, of when this girl, you know, found out that she was going to be something special. And it's it's Luke verse uh, chapter one verse twenty six. It says, "In the sixth month." Okay, well, we got to stop right there. I know you're. I'm, I'm going too fast for you, but in the sixth month. You know, last week we, we talked about the priests and, you know, who served God faithfully, uh, even when the Lord had not spoken to Israel in over 400 years. He just served the Lord. He was, he was doing the job that the Lord had given him, and he faithfully did that. And he, you know, he had a, as he was doing that, an angel came down and talked to him, and it says, and basically the angel told him, hey, you old guy, you're going to have a baby in your old age. And he was kind of freaked out, you know. He, you know, the angel talked about how special this this little baby would be, and, and the guy says, "Well, how am I going to be, you know, be sure?" And the angel's like, "You, you kind of got to be kidding, right? An angel just appeared to you. Well, what do you mean you're not sure? Okay, you need another sign. Fine, I'll give you another sign. You're not going to talk for nine months of the pregnancy, and then when he's born, you'll be able to talk. 
So he goes home and his wife becomes pregnant and, and, it go, and she pretty much kind of goes into hiding, goes into seclusion for five months. And the sixth month, that's what we're talking about here, the sixth month, she comes out and announces that she's pregnant. Everyone's happy. It's a big celebration. And now it's the sixth month. It says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Well, to me, the story kind of begins a little odd. I mean, there's some nuances that, that, that we don't quite get, uh, you know, get and, and capture because we haven't studied the scriptures like, like the Jewish person did back at that time. But this angel goes to visit this girl who later will find, uh, you know, who later will find out is, is from the tribe of, uh, tribe of Judah also, who is engaged to be married to this guy who is in the direct line of King David who lived a thousand years before. This guy literally could have been king of Israel if the Israelites would have followed the direction that the Lord was going. But the Lord totally changed it up because they didn't. But what is weird here is the territory that they lived in was up in Nazareth. Let me go to this, this map here, and I'll, I'll point out a couple of things on the, on the map. Um, up here, you'll see, yeah, I, f- I finally put batteries in it. It works. Um, right, uh, right here next to uh, the Sea of Galilee, you see Nazareth right there. Uh, that's where they're at right now. Well, they need to be down in Bethlehem because that's where the, that's, that's where the story says it's going to happen. That's where scriptures say it's going to happen. It's right down here, you know, near Jerusalem. This is a, um, uh, this map is a little different map, but the tribe of Judah, that was their land right down there. And what we're dealing with here is, you know, everybody from the tribe of Judah would have lived in this area. But a thousand years later, a guy who was related to King David, he now lives up upstate in a sense, up country. and lives up in Nazareth. How did he get there and why is he there? It's unheard of in those times. You lived in the place that your family resided. In fact, most of the time you moved in with your family and they just built onto the house. Uh, for, you know, for all you younger people, wouldn't you love that? A little different today, right? You, you be pledged to marry, you go get the wife, you bring her home to the, to the house that your parents were at. That's where you worked. That's where you, where you lived. You lived in a place your tribe came from. You just didn't go and move everywhere like Americans. You didn't desert the land that, that God had given you. To leave the land that God gave you. It's like telling God, I don't like your plan. I don't, I, I'm going to make my own plans. I'm not going to stay here where, where, where I'm supposed to stay. Why would this man and this woman be way up north in Nazareth? Well, it all has to do with an ancient prophecy in 2 Samuel chapter 7. King David has ascended the throne. He, he's ruled over, over all of Judah and Israel. Uh, the country split into two different countries for about, uh, for about 500 years. He was the greatest king of Israel. He was sitting there one day and, and, you know, sitting in one of his palaces and he's sitting there going, man, I have all these beautiful palaces. I spend the wintertime in this palace, spend the summertime in this palace, and then I just go on vacation all the time. I can do whatever I want. But the God I worship doesn't have any palace. So I want to build him one. All these temples, all these things, I want to build God a temple that will just please him. So he says to his buddy Nathan, 
uh, and, and, you know, hey, Nathan, this is what I want to do. And Nathan totally goes for it. But, night, uh, but that night, the Lord came and visited the prophet and tells him that you need to tell King David this. And what he tells him is, you can't build God a temple because you are a man of blood. In other words, you've led wars. You've gone and killed somebody. So a man of peace will come and build this temple. But you can gather all the plans. You can gather all the supplies. You can gather everything, but you just can't build it. It will be built after you die. And here's something special, a promise just for you. And it's 2 Samuel 7, halfway through verse 11 here. It says, the, the Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over, <laughs> establish a house for you, and all of a sudden your days are over. See, it, it, we're talking long term here, big picture. Your days are over and you rest with your fathers. I will raise up an offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be, I will be, with, uh, I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of man, with the floggings inflicted by man. But my love will never be taken away from him, and I will, I will look uh, I, and taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. What a mighty prophecy this is, and what a, I mean, it's such an interesting prophecy, also. In the middle of giving the prophecy about, about current life and, and times, God throws in this whole just future thing that, will ha- that won't even happen for over a thousand years. You kind of see this dual message. David would raise Solomon and, and you know Solomon the wise, as we call him, to build the temple. And in the same prophecy that doesn't fit into the current situation, that a thousand years later, someone would come who is in the direct line of David, and rule the throne forever and ever and ever. So the line of David, the house of David, the, you know, the dynasty of David is the only legitimate ruler in the kingdom. So all through the Bible, you have all these writings that back this up. And over the centuries, the saying would rise, we are looking for the one. And when they say we're looking, you know, we're looking for the one, they knew exactly, if you were Jew, you know, a Jewish, you knew exactly what they meant. They were looking for the mighty king who would rule the world. So a thousand years has gone by and Rome is now in charge and, and you know, it just shifted from a republic to a dictatorship ruled or an empire ruled by Caesar alone. What they did was they put a man named Herod in charge of Judea and Israel. There was a problem, though. He was not from the line of David. He wasn't even a Jew. He was an Edomite, which was, you know, which was the brother of Jacob who became Israel. So he was really you know, related, but, but he wasn't Jewish. 2,000 years later, the king over the Jews is an Edomite who would always be against the Jews because, you know, Edom and Jacob, they, they didn't get along. They would always struggle against each other. Everybody knows he has no right to be in charge. Everybody knows that he is not the legitimate king over Israel. He was also a cruel king. 
He would hunt down anybody in the line of David and have them killed. So all the people who lived down in Judea, who was from the line of David, knew for their safety what did they need to do. They needed to get out of town. If I was from the line of David, I wouldn't live down in Judea. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. God has given us the land. God has told us where to live. But, but at the same time, for my safety, for my family's safety, I need to move out of this area. So that's why these guys are up in, in Nazareth. So all the legitimate guys in the line of David left. And this is what's important for you and I. Because all the promises and desires of God will take place down in Judea or Judah. In the line of David, all that would happen in a place called Bethlehem. And yet they're up in Nazareth. Far from the blessing. Far from the promises. Far away from any hope that he and his family would be chosen by God for this blessing. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like, man, I don't know what is happening in my life. You know, I, I don't know. One time I was in a dynamic involved, you know, I, I was totally involved with certain things. I was totally involved in church and things were just going great. It was moving and shaking. And, you know, I felt like, God, you know, God, you, you kind of felt like, man, God loved you. And God was doing, th- you know, great and mighty things through you. And then something happened. Maybe it was people. Maybe it was your own sin. Maybe it was a combination of both. But you kind of feel like you're on the outside now, feeling like you're, you're missing the blessing now. Or maybe you're someone who married a, a person you thought was the love of your life. This is it. This is the one I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. My life plan is now set in motion. And then you watched as that marriage fell apart. And you felt the, the bitterness and the pain of divorce and maybe the abandonment, the hateful things that may have been said. Now you feel like, man, I'm living so far away from that blessing. You're out in Nazareth. Maybe it has to do with your career. At one point, you're on the fast track, and and all of a sudden, things fell apart, and and it didn't work out. You may be sitting sitting there thinking, I'm not in the place that I thought I would be. You almost feel like you're in the land of the runaways right now, and not in the land of blessing. That is what Joseph and Mary were doing. They were out of their land of blessing. They were in the land of the uh, the runaways in a sense. They were strangers in a strange place trying to make something happen, to build a life. And that is the setting that the angel walks into the scene in Luke chapter 1. He goes on in verse 28 and says, The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly uh, favored. The Lord is with you. And some manuscripts later, you know, later on that were written, they weren't the early manuscripts, uh, add on, blessed are you among women, if you have a translation that says that. Now what is odd here is the way this is said. I'm sure that Mary had to be completely confused and greatly confused because the word greeting doesn't really convey what, what he's trying to say here. The word really means rejoice. So rejoice, you are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And she's probably going, huh? Now, we know from ancient manuscripts that that Jewish women were married between the ages of 13 and 19. So most likely Mary was was in her teens and Joseph was in his probably his late 20s. And now we would look at that and go, that's just odd. Now, back then, it was commonplace. 
Because it took you a, a long time to establish your business, to establish yourself as a man. And, and certainly a, a good Jewish family was not going to give their precious little girl away to somebody who couldn't support the family. So you had to establish yourself. So you were a little older, and, and then you looked around for, for a, a woman to be married. And all ins and outs, one day we'll go over, to, we'll go over what it was a, a Jewish wedding was like and, and all the ins and outs on that. So this teenage girl is going, huh? To the angel that says to her, rejoice, God is with you. And she is like, God is with me? Doesn't really seem like it. I'm not even living in the land I'm supposed to be living in. Okay, if God is with me, what am I doing in Nazareth? And maybe you're thinking the same thing. If God is with me, what am I doing in the situation that I'm in? Why here? Why now? What about my job? Or what about my marriage? Or or what about my relationship with my friend? Or my relationship with you, Lord? If God is with me... You see, God had a bigger plan for Mary's life. One that she could never, never have dreamed of. Verse 29, it says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, it cracks me up. She's not freaked out that an angel's standing in front of her. I don't get that. I'd be freaked out about the angel. But just, you know, she's troubled by just what he had to say. Did you know in ancient times, greetings were very important? A lower class person would never offer up the greeting to begin with. Completely. I mean, you, you just, some societies are still like this. You, you know, if you were lower class, you didn't say, you, you waited for the upper class to say something to you first. So the two classes of people hardly talked with each other. Now this angel comes on the scene and speaks to the lowest of low of society, an unmarried girl. She's just a notch above the people who had diseases. I mean, just a little bit, you know, just barely right above them. And it had to do with the position of, uh, for some reason, the position of men were, were prized and the position of women weren't. That was just the way it was back then. Not right or wrong, just the way it was. Well, I mean, we know it's wrong, but... And now this angel greets her by telling her how wonderful she was how she should celebrate. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Something about Mary had found favor with God. Something about her attitude. Maybe it was the way she responded to to others and the way she treated different people. He goes on and says, You will be with a child and give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Now, the name Jesus means God saves. It's the same as as, uh, Yeshua or Joshua or or, uh, Yahweh. The term Most High was reserved for God Himself. We see that in Genesis uh, 14, verses 19 and 20. She would know exactly what that term meant. How do you think Mary felt at that moment? She's going to have a baby. And he's going to be called the Most High, the Son of the Most High, the Son of, the son of God, the Son of the, the, the Word Most High. You didn't just use. I mean, it was reserved for God. I assume she was probably even more confused. The Lord, will, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom 
will never end. How must she, you know, how, how must she have felt? For a thousand years, her people have been praying for a Messiah, wondering when that day would come. Everybody wanted to know. I mean, they wrote songs about the Messiah coming. They prophesied about it, but he never came for a thousand years. Everybody knew it would happen down in Bethlehem, that, that he would be from the tribe of Judah. And here this girl is living up in Nazareth, and the angel comes and tells her, you are the one, you are the one that's highly favored. This is going to rock your world. Not only going to change your life, but change lives of, of thousands and millions of people. I love Mary's response. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Now, I would have thought, personally, you know, thinking about Mary's situation, I would have thought, okay, well, Joseph and I, are, we're, we're going to be married here soon, and, and when we have a kid, we'll name him Jesus. And, you know, why did she ask this question and not think about Joseph? So I kind of looked into this. When you get engaged at that time, you made a contract Gifts would be exchanged between the families and, and between the two people. And for one year, you would stay apart from that person you're, you're engaged to. And if you walked away from this contract, this proposal, you know, in a sense, you paid heavy fines. You would have to pay the family a heavy sum of money. So she is under, you know, under the understanding of you know, how Joseph and her would be apart. And she's sitting there going, and, and I'm a virgin. So the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One, will be, uh, Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. You know, today out there there's a teaching that Jesus was just an ordinary guy. He grew up and he was so well behaved. He did everything his parents told him to. And he made all the right decisions that, that he earned the blessing, so therefore he became Christ. But that's not what the Scriptures teach. The Scriptures teach that Jesus had a unique father with no, you know, who, who had no you know, human biological father. It was the Lord God Himself. It was the power of God. God took one of the eggs and fertilized it, and it was a miracle. He was God placed in her body. Part deity and part man. Not half and half. Not half God, not half man. But fully God Himself and fully man. And these two would blend together in a theological mystery that we don't completely understand. But we get the blessing out of it. Verse 38, it says, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. That moment had to be amazing. Somehow, the, you know, as you read the story, the scriptures just don't do it, don't do it justice. You're expecting the, the, you know, the movie scene with the angel singing in the background, and even that wouldn't do it justice. This young girl who lives in this backwaters town is going to rejoice, and yet she will go through public ridicule, public shame, humiliation, 
People are going to tell her she is crazy. You're having a baby, but you who were you really with? If Joseph isn't the father, they're going to tell her she's lying. People will always point fingers at her. And if this is not enough, she will endure this child, this baby, one day going and dying on the cross, the ultimate death and humiliation. But the difference is she will know truly that He is the Son of God. Now for all of this, she is the most famous woman in the world. But the path to her glory is one that is filled with difficulty. Her husband responds like this in Matthew 1.18. Her husband says, or this is a story that this is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Imagine how he felt before the angel talked to him. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her in public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Very interesting here. Joseph is a, is a righteous man. He is a godly man. He is a man who, who lives his life by principles uh, from the Scriptures, who says, I need to make the right decisions. Yes, he would sin, and yes, he would mess up, but he tried to do what the Lord wanted him to do. A man who had probably had a, had a great reputation within his community. He was willing to do all of this quietly. I can't marry a crazy woman. I can't marry a, a woman that's already pre, uh, pregnant. I'm sure he was thinking this. Mary's response was, was oh, okay, Lord, I will accept it. Then there's Joseph's response. I love you, but I don't believe you. This is why he was considering divorce or breaking the contract. I think this is like our relationship with our Lord. We follow God because we think we're married, don't we? I got the truth from God. God talked to me through the Scripture or I was praying and, and, and God told me. And people try to correct us and, you know, you're going down the wrong path and we're like, no, 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 no. See, we all think we're married. But most of us are really Joseph. God is doing something unique and, and something powerful you know, in the life of another person. And we come in with our words of wisdom that are often wrong. But we all want to be merry. I will do anything the Lord uh, wants me to do. And other times we look at someone and say, What are you doing here? You're supposed to be in, in Bethlehem, but you're way out here and, you know, out of God's will here in Nazareth. And you tell them what is wrong with them and what they're supposed to be doing. But God is already working with him with them, and, and here you're, you know, we, we start to interfere. But I love Mary's response. She commits. Now, granted, she got to see the angel first. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. She gives permission for God to work through her. 
She says, basically, I don't care if people tell me I'm wrong. I don't care if people ridicule me. I don't care if people respond to me going, you know, what you're doing is, you know, tell us the truth here. Because she knows the truth. Now, it's interesting that nowhere in scriptures does it show that Mary defended herself. I mean, when somebody comes at you, what do you want to do? The first thing you do is the first thing I do. We immediately, in our minds at least, start defending ourselves, and most of us do it verbally, right? We want to defend ourselves. It's the ultimate in self-control to not defend oneself, especially when wrongfully accused. Even the Pharisees question whose Jesus' father was. The most powerful woman to walk the face of the earth. And they would question her the rest of her life. Verse 39 of Luke 1, it says, At the time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth already knew that her baby was very special. And Elizabeth knows immediately something special is happening with Mary also. She immediately celebrates with her. Imagine Mary's relief because everybody else is pointing fingers. Everybody else is going, you're, you're, you're pregnant, Mary? You're, you're, what did you do? You're not Mary. Mary, Mary. She goes to Elizabeth not even knowing how she's going to respond. In verse 42 it says, In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that, that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. What a revelation for, for Elizabeth that this is. She is filled with the Holy Spirit instantly and she knows what's going on. What a great confirmation and, and a great hope that this gives Mary. And this next section is where I figured out or when I figured out when I read it that, that, that why Mary was so favored by God. Mary, you know, she, she responds with a song that she writes. And I've never really thought of this before. You know, you always see, see Mary in, in the perfect robes looking down at the child after the birth of Jesus, right? Exactly how my wife looked after she had Brandon last year. Just beautiful, I mean, you know, just hair, you know, all done, curls, right? Ladies, that's how it is right after birth. Okay, you're getting what I'm saying here. That's how, that's how we picture Mary. That's how the, the scenes are always, right? But Mary was a songwriter. She was a singer. You know, the Bible only has about five songs written down and recorded, you know, that were sung or, or written by women. And Mary gets one of them. And what's really cool about her song is that, you, you know, you don't really get this unless you study that scripture and, and look at the little reference that is next to it. You know, the little references in your Bible, depending on what Bible you have, and it reference back to this scripture, reference back to that scripture. You don't get that unless you really look at it or you know your Bible. There are about 15 references to the Old Testament in her song. You know, in her time, most girls weren't even taught to read, much less write. It was a waste of time. Rarely would a, would a girl be a biblical scholar. Rarely would a girl know the scriptures. But here there's 15 different scriptures woven in. 
I mean, she knows her Bible. She knows her scriptures. So when the angel spoke to her about the Most High and the other words he used, she didn't have to go, well, what does that mean? I, I Explain it to me because I'm just, you know, I, I don't know all that stuff. You know, the men deal with that stuff. No, she knew what he meant. She knew her Bible. How awesome is this? Mary had a hunger for God. She wasn't looking to be the mother of God. She just wanted to know about her Lord. She wanted to please God on an everyday basis. She wanted to, to intimately know the Scriptures and therefore intimately know God. And man, did it work out for her. You can't go wrong. You can't go wrong with this type of attitude. In the middle of all this, this song pours out of her. No wonder why she found favor from God. No public recognition whatsoever. Just what was within her. This is what she was on the inside. And there's no, you know, when there's no hope of a useful purpose in life, because that's how women were looked at back then. And billions of people have read this song, and no one knows who the princess was in the palace. Think about this. Mary's just in a backwaters town, and she's famous. Who was the princess in King Herod's kingdom? We have no clue. Yet, who would be highly prized in society? Oh, the princess would be. Not Mary. But we all know who Mary is now, don't we? This is so God. She writes a song. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For He has been mindful of my humble state of a servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him. From generation to generation, He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped His servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and to his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. And then it says, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. She probably stayed through the, the, through the birth of John the Baptist. So what does this mean for you and I? You know, I think sometimes we feel like we're in the wrong place at the wrong time, maybe the wrong job, maybe the wrong time, you know, the wrong uh, town. Maybe you've taken certain chances and, and man, you flubbed them and, and you just kind of feel like you're out there. My response to that is maybe the Lord has you right where He wants you. But we have to be willing to say, Lord, I'm your servant. Lord, do with me what you want. I will follow your direction. Just give it to me. You know, we all want the life that is easy. We all want the life that, man, things, you know, the the American picture, the American dream, that's the life we want. 
But reality is completely different most of the time. Reality is the Lord's just waiting for us to respond like Mary. Lord, use me. Allow me to follow you. Allow me to be a part of your big picture. Because the Lord can use you in mighty ways. Now, there won't be another Mary. I get that. But, imagine the change that He could do in somebody's life because of you. Because of you. Mary's willingness affected millions and millions of people. What is your willingness going to affect? Are you willing to be used? Let's pray. Lord, I'm so thankful that you chose a woman like this. A woman who was humble, a woman who who sought after you. And I pray that we follow her example. Mary is a woman that we hold in high esteem, but really she was a young girl. She was a young, innocent girl that just followed you. And I pray that you, you allow that to come out of us, that innocence the, 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 to the point where we say, yes, you are my Lord, I'm willing to do what you want. Lord, I pray that you give us direction in life. For those that feel like, man, I'm just stuck in this one place and I really don't know why I'm here, I pray that you reveal what you want to do through them in that exact place. Or maybe you'll, you'll move them just like you moved Mary and Joseph. You, they were in Nazareth, Lord, and you moved them down to Bethlehem to do your will. But I pray, Lord, that we respond like Mary has, that we do rejoice. We do write a song for you, and that it comes from within, Lord. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. May His face shine down upon you in those days and the, and the darkness sometimes that we feel. May His light reveal the truth in your life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.